Electric Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated entirely to sports and only sports. Today, 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 we talk NASCAR. Now here are your hosts, Ty, Amos, and Chris. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. You're tuned in to Electric Sports Talk, episode epi- episode episode two for me today, guys. Did a soccer podcast. If you guys are into soccer, go check it out. Anyways, uh, we are here with some NASCAR talk. Chris, it's nice to have you here again. Thank you very much. Your resident old man is present. Good. Our history, uh, yeah, uh, old man, uh, it's, it's good. Okay, he's accepting his role, Amos. What do you think of it? <laughs> Well, uh, you beat it into him, so I'm pretty sure he has no other choice. <laughs> oh, he's merciless. You should have heard him Saturday. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, but in in fairness to Chris, he does play the old man role pretty well. So. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's true. All right, guys. You no, know, I embrace it. <laughs> so we got a few things to talk about today. Not a ton in the news as far as uh, off the track. Once again, this, sh- this week, it's, it's kind of been a slow couple days. Uh, well, weeks, I guess you could say, for, for news outside the track. Uh, obviously, we got to talk about the Phoenix race, uh, how our picks did. We'll update you guys on that. And then we got to talk about Atlanta. Uh, should be an interesting week of racing coming up. Uh, but before we get into that, guys, March Madness is here. I know we're all excited about that. Uh, so real quick, uh, Amos, who are you picking to win it all this year in the brackets? I think I picked Alabama. All right. And I am ashamed to say I've probably watched 20 minutes of basketball <laughs> this year. So I Chris, guess we'll see uh, how it goes. you also picked Alabama. Is that right? We all picked Alabama, as I recall. Except no. for me. Except for yeah, me. Yeah, you picked Iowa. That's I got right. Iowa. Uh, yeah. Illinois. I got Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So that should be good, guys. We're going to be doing a group bracket. Uh, so if you guys are just interested in it, competing in that go ahead and find a link in our instagram or uh twitter and you can go ahead and join it it'll be on cbs uh so yeah i'm excited guys it should be fun it was funny because ty and i did our brackets we got to the same final four mm-hmm. but very different routes yes yes it's gonna be a very interesting bracket all right guys uh let's talk about this uh off the top though uh phoenix race it was a good day for racing in phoenix uh, it was a little colder i think than than we thought it would be there were some people in hoodies there, but, I mean, yep. of, it beats the snow. So. Yeah, but I think the temperature was up from what it was on Saturday. I, I think, think it Saturday was, was cooler. It was obviously nice. All right, so we get the race started, guys. Uh, Toyotas and uh, the Penske Fords are dominating early. Uh, they they all look really good. Obviously, Hamlin was strong all week, uh, all all day. Logano and Blaney looked good in the start, along with Keselowski. Uh, so did that surprise you that this race started off so... Uh, kind of dominated by two teams. No, it didn't me. I mean, Penske has a great track record, as if you will, track <laughs> yeah, at, this, okay. uh, at this venue. So, Logano, I, now Kozlowski hasn't won there, or has he? I don't think, think he they has, were saying, no. But he runs well. No. Um, oh, yes, he runs well. So I wasn't surprised. And then, obviously, the Joe Gibbs racers, they usually do well at all the tracks. They kind of... Mm-hmm. They're pretty well versed everywhere, so I wasn't too surprised. Uh, Chris, anything surprised you to start off this race? Well, I won't say I was surprised, but my early thought on the race was, given the domination of the Ford and Toyotas, I thought, "Wow, these guys are going to miss a setup towards the end of the race when that uh, western section starts to cool off because of the shade and that." But 
I don't know. It didn't really happen because Logano was able to finish second. Mm. Hamlin was third. So yeah, good finishes from. Him. All right, uh, so let's let's talk about the first caution lap. Uh, excuse me, the first uh, competition caution. Are we getting used to the competition cautions yet, guys? I mean, no practice, and we're throwing out all these competition cautions. Are we used to it yet? Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they say it rained like Saturday night between the Saturday race and the Sunday race? Didn't it? It rain? did rain. It did rain at some point over the weekend, yeah. so maybe Friday night. I think yeah. that. I mean, that's the primary reason they throw these competition cautions is they're just got to try and figure tire wear out. Yeah. You know, early on in the race, but I am getting a little bit tired of it, I guess. All right, so uh, Kislowski leads the restart. Obviously, Hamlin looked really good. Uh, we get racing about 47 laps in. Bowman sp- gets spun out um, or spins himself out or something. I think he just he, he just got loose. Kind of got in the middle of two <laughs> drivers that didn't know what they were doing. He, right. he kind of had a little help. Uh, so yeah. that brought out our first official caution, um, and it allowed the three Penske cars to come out one, two, three on the restart. Uh, I mean, 50 laps in, guys, the Penske cars are looking really strong. And you got to be thinking that one of them's going to win this race. Well, I was rooting for my ran- man Ryan Blaney. I mm. I was really hoping he could turn it around. Yes, the, the Penske cars look good. Uh, so a good end to the stage one for Penske. They finish one two three after the restart. Uh, impressed guys with the with the one two three for Penske. I mean, I know. It's not like Formula One where we're getting driver or manufacturer points necessarily, but uh, that was had to be very encouraging, especially for Blaney getting the stage win. I mean, it's been a rough year for him to start, and he looked really good in the first stage. I predicted or I suggested early on that Ryan Blaney had to have a good three-race stretch between Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Atlanta. And I if I was Ryan Blaney, I'd be pretty happy with the results he got coming out of Las Vegas yeah. and Phoenix. Both. Yeah, me too. Uh, Amos, were you surprised that it seemed like the Stuart Haas cars in this race uh, really just weren't around to start the race? Like, I know Harvick kind of came on as the race went on a little more, and, and he was around the top ten all day. But really, once again, a race where we did not see the Stuart Haas cars. Yeah, it was. L- they must be off on their setups just a little bit. Uh, maybe Kevin Harvick used up all his good luck last year. I mean, we're saying that he's used up all his good luck, but I think he has, what, like three or four top ten finishes over the first sure, yeah, five yeah. races. So yeah. he's just kind of quietly But he hasn't won a race around. yet. Yeah, we're I was – four, what are we, five, sorry, uh, five races in, and he hasn't won a race. Yeah, I was a little – I thought he'd be more of a factor in this race. But I was reading an article earlier through the week, and it's – he hasn't won since 2008, but he's had like 10 top 10 or 10 top six finishes. Like, yeah. And I'm sure that he wants to win. Kevin Harvick wants to win, but I'll bet you if you sat down and was just sitting around the water cooler talking to him about how the race weekends have gone, I'll bet he's just ecstatic. You yeah. know, he's been consistent. Sure he's happy. He showed up and raced well. Um Anything uh, anything for the other Stuart Haas cars, though? Well, I mean... I mean Amarola really hasn't been as much of a factor as I think us three thought he was going to be this year. Yeah, I he's run into some bad luck. It, he's kind of catching on with him and Ryan Blaney. They just <laughs> kind of create bad <laughs> yeah. luck or get stuck in bad luck. I mean, I'm looking at the finishing order, and Eric Amarola was 11th, so I'm sure he's pretty happy about that. So, And I'm sure... What have we got... Um, Ross Chastain is hmm. taking, or Chase Briscoe taking over for um, the retired 
Clint Boyer, he's going to have growing pains no matter what. Yeah. So I, I, what do you do there? He's just got to log some laps in this early part of the season and learn what he can and try and, and move forward. And, and uh, when they come back around to some of these tracks, try for a better finish and, and go from there. So All right, so we start stage two. Pensy car still out in front after the pits. Uh, Logano leading us to the restart. Uh, Logano looked really dominant in this stage two. And, you know, I mean, he, he begins to look like one of the favorites in this stage. Uh, we get 90 laps in. Uh, Anthony Alfredo gets put in the wall. But, I mean, you know, not on purpose, but it pretty much was. I mean, the Ware, but it, but the Ware was, car put him in the wall. Yeah, I was going to say, it was a Rick Ware car that yeah, put him in the I wall. Mean, it, it was a pretty egregious mistake there. Uh, so we get another caution, and no surprise, uh, the Penske car is still out in front after the caution, after the pits and everything. Uh, but now we start to see one of the first Chevys of the day come up into the field. Uh, it only took 100 laps for the Chevys to wake up, but Chase Elliott starts to break up the party. He breaks up the top three. Uh, so at this point, guys, are we starting to think that Penske's going to fall off? Are we nervous for them? I mean, this has been a theme for them. They start off races really well. We'll get halfway through, and we don't know where they're at. They're just not keeping up with the adjustments on the track. I mean, I, I don't understand it because there's some very smart guys on that team, and I, I don't get it. And, and then we're all three cars. Yeah. Go away almost simultaneously. It's like, what? It's really weird. Yeah, what the heck, you know? So uh, I guess we were feeling a little nervous for him, Amos. I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean... Like you've said, they start out strong. They dominate the first stage, get into the second stage. Maybe some track changes they weren't prepared for. Um, I think it's probably pretty easy to guess what the weather's going to be like in Phoenix. Yeah, I'm sure they were probably thinking maybe a little warmer, but I mean it's going to be sunny. Yeah, a little bit of wind. So, but apparently they done well this week for getting their adjustments. Yeah, in the they race. did because the race continued and. And even though uh, Larson also started to creep up on him, Hamlin started to creep up on him, Truex as well, uh, it was largely a stage two domination by Logano. I mean, there's yeah. not a ton else to say in this stage uh, except for Logano was out in front and did really well this whole entire second stage. Truex also really started to take over as the second best car on the field in the second stage, guys. Uh, so, Chris, was it was it pretty much halfway through the race? Was it Logano or Truex for you? Um, I still, I mean, at that point in time, halfway through the race, I I thought Kyle Larson was making some moves and mm. was going to be able to be a factor there towards the end. Um, the thing that I want to mention about Penske, though, is is I mean, we're being critical with them, but I mean, they you know they had a second, a fourth, and a tenth of their three cars. I mean, yeah. <laughs> You can't really criticize that terribly. Well, no, I don't think we're being critical. I think we were just pointing out that in the past they struggled, yeah. and we were nervous that they would see those struggles again. And in large part, we didn't. Right. So uh, after we start cycling through some green flag pit stops, uh, you just mentioned Larson, Chris. He gets another like he had like two speeding penalties in this race. Yeah. He gets another one, and it essentially took him out of contention. Yes, it did. He probably had the third or fourth best car next to Hamlin on the day. Uh, but this is once again a speeding penalty from him. I mean, he got some in previous races too, and I'm just like, what's going on with him? Well, I think he's pushing the envelope just a tad too hard. He needs yeah. to probably back off a little bit on pit lane. Very interesting. Did you have something there? Well, I wonder Amos? if uh, 
so they set that up pre-race how they judge their speed and pit road. So obviously they yeah. didn't get it set up correctly. I mean, you're going to push it no matter what. So obviously there was there was something that they missed. And you only got to be just over by a little bit. I want mean one two well, miles an yeah. hour, and they're going to pop you. Oh for yeah, pit road speeding. So well, and the, they don't have a speedometer in these cars, obviously. But the way they set them up is they actually have warning lights on the dash with this new electronics that they have. Mm. And and the ideal thing is is they want all the greens on, all the yellows on, and just flickering that red that first red light occasionally pushing it. Yeah, and I think. I think what it is is Larson's flickering that red light a little too flickery, okay. if you follow my meaning. Uh-huh. I think he's pushing it just a bit. All right, so uh, we continue racing here. And into, the, the sorry, other yeah. thing I should mention about Pit Road at Phoenix, it's on a turn. And so that makes it kind of hard to just adjust or judge your speed, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might have been a factor for sure. So. All right, so we continue racing in stage two after these uh, pit stops cycle through. Corey LaJoy stayed out forever. I mean, this is a theme that we're seeing from him. And, man, I love it, man. Like, he just goes out there and it's like, you know what? I'm out here until I run out of gas. And I think he was out to, like, 15 to go in, you know, pretty close up in front of the lead. So I, it was funny. <laughs> I bet that car had about nothing in the tank by the time he did get into the pits. Hey, I don't mind it. Why uh, not? Like, what's he got to lose? Well, Nothing I mean, to lose. He's leading laps, and he's getting points from leading laps. So, you know, why not? Yeah, I think he led, like, 12 laps or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I about died. I was, at this point in the race, I was not able to watch on TV anymore, so I was kind of following on NASCAR.com, the race feed, and I looked at it, and I'm like, Corey LaJoy, refresh. Refresh. <laughs> he's hey, still babe, leading. There's, there's something wrong with my phone. Um How's you, are you getting service on your phone? Can I? I'm like, and then and there's LaJoy, and then Bubba Wallace was up there. I'm like, uh, oh, we got to we, we find the race on the radio or something. What's <laughs> yeah. going on here? Well, as as we will point out uh, coming up a little later with some of our picks, uh, these two led more laps than our picks to lead the most <laughs> laps. So, yeah, very good. All right, so uh, 20 to go in Ugh. stage two. Uh, we start to see Truex really come on strong after those pits. He's starting to chase down Logano, uh, but not enough. Uh, Logano wins stage two. Uh, so back-to-back stage wins for the Penske uh, cars here. So at this point, Chris, who's who's your favorite um, at the end of stage two? I, I got to go with Logano. I mean... You were still with Logano? <clears throat> I, he was my odds-on favorite to win the race because of his dominance in the first two stages. However, I was watching Larson pretty closely... And if he hadn't gotten those speeding penalties, I think I think he could have competed. I really do. Yeah, he could have. It it just seemed like uh, well, there were other good cars. It just seemed like Logano was just so dominant in that second yeah. stage. It was pretty weird. Uh, but as stage uh, the last stage starts, Logano leads a majority of the first part of it. But then Truex catches him with eighty eight to go, passes him, and at this point, I mean, Truex has the best car on the on the track at this point. I mean, he's he's distancing from Logano. He's racing very strong. Uh, once again, we start thinking, okay, when's the caution's going to come out and everything, right, yeah, guys? exactly. Um, luckily, we really didn't see any cautions in, in the last it, stages of this race. It, yeah, it was a pretty – it went 
green, I think, pretty much the entire. Well, okay, last stages. I guess we really didn't see very many cautions in the entire race, no, to not be honest. Really. I mean, the thing that amazed me about Truex's car was is he, he whacked the wall coming out of turn four one time mm. pretty hard. And they actually had to pull him in the pits and do something to the back end of that car, and they weren't very clear what it was they did. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of had it in my mind that, okay, he won the race, but this car's not going to pass post-race inspection. Yeah. But apparently it did. But as hard as he hit that wall, and I'm not, I mean, he didn't crush the car or anything, but as hard as he hit that wall, as precise as these things are, I just was amazed how that car ran you know, at the end of the race. All right, so once Truex took the lead, guys, and he stayed out in front, uh, not much else really in this last stage. I mean, this is two weeks in a row where we don't have a lot to say towards the end of the race, uh, but there just there wasn't any drama, manufactured or for real, um, I, but I don't mind it. It was, it was a good race uh, when it was all said and done. Truex comes to victory lane, fifth race of the year, fifth different winner, guys. Logano gets second, Hamlin a third, Kislowski fourth, Elliott fifth. Uh, pretty good, pretty good race, honestly. When it was all said and done, the best car on the day, uh, well, the best two cars on the day definitely went one and two. I think you could make an argument that Logano's car was the strongest for more of the race than Truex. Well, but I mean, the best cars were in front. Yeah, and and actually, it was it was good to see for a change that the best cars actually, you know, dominated the race and even. I've, I mentioned Kyle Larson a number of times, but even with, in spite of all his problems, he still came back for a sixth-place finish. Yeah, he still did very well. Um, uh, go <clears throat> ahead, Chris. Yeah. No, go ahead. I, oh, I, okay. I just had a thought, but it faded away due to my age. <laughs> all right, uh, Amos, we're, uh, surprised that Truex got this race win. Uh, I don't necessarily think that he was going to be one of the favorites entering this race. Um, it seemed like there's some guys that are due for wins. He was one of them. So uh, what did you think of Truex getting the win at Phoenix? I'm not totally surprised. I mean, he's been knocking at the door almost every race this year, quite a few races last year. He's just had a string of bad luck. I kind of, when he did scrub the wall, I was like, oh, man, that guy's got a good car. He just, he's just not catching luck lately. So I kind of, I wrote him off at that point. I really didn't think he was mm. going to, recover from that so obviously they made some good adjustments and you know we, we're talking about the fact that it went green for so long in the last stage and f very few cautions but phoenix is notorious for very few cautions i mean yeah. it's not a very a lot of green they don't carry racing. a lot of i mean they're still racing 150 miles an hour but there's not a lot of high bank corners there's not a lot of wear and tear on say the tire i mean tires are still important but they're not gonna you just don't see a lot of tire flats you don't oh. see a lot of beating and banging there's enough room to get around and phoenix is one of them tracks where you if you got a good car you're going to distinguish yourself from those that are having trouble you're going to stay up front you're going to put yourself out of trouble and you're and for the most part you're just going to see a lot of green flag racing so do you think that's why uh uh, I mean, this is maybe a little off topic, but do you think that's some of the reason why the championship race has been moved to Phoenix? Because uh, it's just clean maybe. racing and, and usually pretty, you know. It could well, be. Well, it's better than having it at a super speedway. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. I, I think the biggest reason it's in Phoenix at this point is because of the weather. Oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah I sure mean, it's right. good racing, sure. I mean, 
you know, I'm not going to lie. Last year it was great to watch the race. You know, my guy ends up winning the race. So, but, um, I don't know that that was their sole intention for moving. Mm -hmm. I, I would say it's mostly weather. All right. So, uh, all in all, Chris, uh, a good weekend of racing for you. Yeah, I was pretty happy with the, with the outcome. Uh, I, I mean, I was happy that Truex won. Yeah. I was okay with the finishing order. Little disappointed that my guy just couldn't pull it off again. Um, but you know, all in all, I, I I enjoyed the race. I sat there and I watched it, and I was you know, I was engaged in the race. Yeah. Shall we say? Actually, yeah, I think that's it's true. I, I agree with that. Uh, so, a successful West Coast swing, guys. I mean, I know it's one less race on the West Coast swing than than we're used to, but uh, Amos, I mean, pretty successful for a lot of guys out there. Uh, these quick two races in the east or in the west yeah i think so i mean i don't know that there were anything that jumped out at either track that would make you be upset i mean i think the people that run well traditionally at each track run well and finished where they usually do i mean it's kind of I mean, the racing at Vegas is getting better. There's a lot more side-by-side. The restarts are crazy. So, I, I mean, I think that's becoming a very popular track yeah. amongst fans and drivers. But these tracks are traditionally you hit a, a setup, mm-hmm. and you're going to run well. There's not very many times that you completely miss. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, Phoenix is that way. For a lot of guys. So mm-hmm. either you got the setup or you don't, and just kind of played out that last two races. Cool. All right. So uh, let's to update you guys on our picks real quick. Uh, Amos, you went with Kevin Harvick. Good pick, but not close enough. He does come in sixth place. Uh, I went with Brad Keselowski. Close again. Uh, not good enough. He come in fourth. And our winner this week, uh, Chris, you went with Denny Hamlin. He finishes third. You don't have to pick the winner. You just have to pick the uh, person that either wins or runs closest to the winner. Uh, so congratulations, Chris. Good pick. Why, thank you. <laughs> and and if we, it, <laughs> Well, if you recall, I felt like I was jinxing my drivers that I was picking, and that's why I picked Denny Hamlin, because I thought, well, if I'm jinxing them, then this is going to work out perfect. <laughs> Didn't work out Not so good. Not this time. Not this time. <clears throat> Didn't work out so good. All right, so our season standings sit three for me, two for Chris, two points for Amos. So you guys are tied now. Uh, so we need some we need some picks some good picks this week for you two to you know catch up to me. Uh, all right, our other pick was which driver leads <laughs> which driver leads the most laps, guys. Uh, we went with Kyle Busch for Chris. He led zero. Uh, Kevin Harvick for Amos. He led zero. Oh no, I picked Kyle Busch. Sorry, Chris and yeah. uh, William Byron, who you actually picked. Yeah. Uh, he also led zero. So. Yeah. A combined zero laps led for our picks, guys. Well, we missed uh, that one. Pretty didn't poor, we? pretty poor. <laughs> yeah, we we really blew that one. <laughs> uh, so no points for that. Uh, if someone would have picked Joey Logano, that would have been the correct answer. So, yep. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, let's talk about a few other things. Kislowski and uh, Brad Kislowski, Daniel Suarez, crew chiefs get suspended from the Atlanta race. Some rule infractions. Uh, pertaining to lug nuts and such, and then there were fines for three other cars. Must have been more than lug nuts for him to get suspended. Well, must, must have been something a little more serious than that. So on uh, NASCAR.com, where you can find this, uh, 
the article reads, uh, NASCAR officials handed down two penalties, uh, handed down five penalties, sorry, uh, to five cup teams uh, on Tuesday for lug nut infractions, including one race suspension for two crew chiefs at uh, next weekend's event in Atlanta. Two cars, the number two Penske Ford, which is Brad Keselowski, and the number 99 Trackhouse Racing Chevy, which is Daniel Suarez, uh, were found with no uh, with two lug nuts not properly secured in post-race ex- inspection after the Phoenix race uh, on Sunday. Each team's crew chief uh, was also fined uh, $200,000. Twenty. No, no, sorry, $20,000. <laughs> wow. My bad. Similar type of fines were handed out to Kurt Busch, uh, Kyle Busch, and William Byron's crew chiefs, uh, that one being ten grand and uh, no suspensions for them though so obviously a lot of well i i'm sure inadvertent rule breaking uh but yeah i mean a lot of fines that's racking up for nascar this week guys i mean yeah i don't think anybody the, wants to leave lug nuts loose that tends to <laughs> no. get a little bit of a rattly <laughs> right does. so uh, but man that's a big step like one lug nut all right ten grand don't do it again. Two lug nu- two lug nuts, twenty grand, and you're out of here, boy. Yeah. Like that's yeah, a no. huge. I wonder what step, happens if you that? leave three off. Holy cow! The <laughs> five races or something. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, is it not bad enough that they had two lo- mm. loose lug nuts to begin with? Like, I don't know. That that's that's a crazy penalty. Oh, so you think it's too high, Seamus? Well, to suspend your crew chief for a mm. race, like if you. Lose one lug nut, it's only ten grand. I mean, not only. I mean, it's ten grand. Yeah. Two lug nuts is twenty grand, and a race. That's kind <laughs> of a big deal. I mean, I don't. Uh, well, what do uh, you want the crew chief to be there and be like, boys? Well, all sure. the lug nuts tight. Come on, you it's, know. It's, <laughs> come on. It's the crew chief uh, oh. that's getting in trouble, but really, it's it's also the teams and the organization as a whole, right? That's I funny. mean. It's gonna come out of the Penske now, pocket. Help my feeble memory here, but uh-huh. somebody had a lug wrench fail in this race, but I can't remember who it was. But I remember him talking about it on the oh, broadcast, that's nice. and I thought, well, that's inconvenient. Well, but there and there was a lot of penalties at this race. Uh, they were saying on the broadcast as well that Phoenix is traditionally very heavily penalized race. Uh, so yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it's probably a very aerotechnical. Like, your car needs to be very sound, arrow-wise, to stay to the track and, and gain that speed through the corners. So there they are probably some very tight rules in this track. So, But I don't know. I guess, I mean, there were a lot of pre-race. I mean, that's what happened to the Pen- or the Hendrick cars. Yeah, like Carl a bunch Larson, of them got in Like, trouble. the poor kid, he gets booted at pre-race. He pit road speeding. I mean, the poor guy couldn't do anything yeah. All right, guys. So uh, before we go to break, I want to ask you a few questions. Uh, then we'll come back and do winners and losers. Uh, but I mentioned five races, five different winners, guys. Um, are we going to see 26 races, 26 different winners in the regular season? What's the likelihood, Amos? I would say one in 20 million. There's one no, in 20 million. Okay. I don't That's see 26 <laughs> different race winners. No, there's okay. no way. Chris? I'm having a hard time envisioning all right, all 26 right. different race winners. However, uh-huh. there was some talk uh, through the weekend. Help me out. Who won Daytona? Michael McDowell? Michael McDowell. Uh. May not make the chase, 
even though he's got to win if yeah, if we keep that. repeating. Well, yeah. If I mean, we keep repeating this, and I'm thinking, ooh, we, you know, that's some pretty serious okay, stuff there. Okay, so, so this is the real question then. 26 races, could we see uh, 17 different winners? Well, that's the scenario that they're talking about right. with McDowell. Mm-hmm. I mean, guess it's possible. But I think it's so I, unlikely, though. The average is 13 different race winners over the last four or five years. So, I mean, that's quite a few. But okay, I just, well, I mean, I, I think you, 17, that's four races. That's a big stretch. I but I, but I, I got to tell you the truth. Them Hendrick cars, I mean, they got four guys driving those cars, and those guys are angry, and they're licking their chops like, me next, me yeah, next, you know. That's true. And and I mean, it's all four drivers. I mean, these guys are competitive beyond belief this year, it just seems to me like. Well, but think about this, guys. Kyle Busch doesn't have a win. Kevin Harvick doesn't have a win. Chase Kyle Elliott. Bush, Kyle Busch didn't get a win last year till what, Texas? To right. end the chase. Right. Yeah, to uh, end the chase. Chase Elliott doesn't have a win. Joey Logano doesn't have a win. Those are four big-time drivers right there that don't yeah. have wins on the season that are due wins. Oh, and, and Denny Hamlin doesn't have a win. So five guys right there that you would expect to win multiple races that haven't won a race yet, five races in. So I think at least we're looking at 10 racers, but you brought up uh, 13 was the average, Amos. Right. If I gave you an over-under of 13 right now, five races into the season, would you take over on 13? No, Uh, no, (laughs) I don't think so. Because, I mean, it's just a matter of time. Like, all the drivers you just listed, there's no reason. I think after we get past the dirt race in Bristol, then it's just, that's the outlier over the next couple races. But then after that, I feel like you're just going to, we're hitting, well, I guess where there's more road races. There are more road courses. But I don't think I don't think that benefits guys. I, I mean, mean, I know Christopher is... Bell won, but I mean, let's be honest. The Phantom Caution helped him out. Chase Elliott was dominating that race. Well, and so, Logano and Logano was too. Yeah. But so, what are the chances that we see a driver like AJ Allmendinger racing in the sixteen win one of these road courses? And get in the chase. Oh, I think there's a real high probability like, of that. That'd happening. be crazy. Right. But I think you'd have to have a road course ringer do that, yeah. not necessarily just just to, mm-hmm. I mean, Rick Ware's not gonna throw somebody out there to win a road course race. Probably not. So but I think you're I think you'll just see these guys that you mentioned. They are normally multi race wins per year, and I think you'll start seeing them rattle off multiple wins and take away that chance of a new winner of every race weekend. All right, so uh, anything else to say about that, guys? I got one more question for you. No, I'm good on that one. Okay, cool. Uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, 13 is the average. I I do feel like that's actually pretty high. If you ask me what was the average of of, uh, race winners in a year, I'd say like 10 or 9. So that's actually higher than I thought. Uh, Is anyone emerging as... Uh, clear contenders, guys. Are there any clear drivers that look to be uh, that they could make the top four once we get towards the end of the season? I know we're a long ways out from that, um, but is anyone emerging, Chris? No. I no. Don't, I don't think so. I mean, think about it. We've had five what, five different race winners, mm-hmm. but you've had the same people running at the top literally in every race. Yeah. You know, you've got Kurt Busch, Kyle uh, Larson. Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, uh, All the Keselowski, Logano, yeah. Chase Elliott. I mean, you can name – I just named eight. You can you can name ten. Yeah, probably. And make an effective argument for any one of the ten coming forward. 
So, Amos, no clear contenders yet for you? Still, still a group of guys, but not really anyone sticking out? Well, I think at this point, you got to give a little bit of an edge to Denny Hamlin. Mm. He's running well. He's consistent. He hasn't finished outside. He's had, what, four top ten finishes and five top 11 finishes. He's had... So he's screaming consistency. He's had four top fives. Yeah. Yeah. So. And four top five Top fives? Top Not fives. just top Four tens. top fives. Mm. So, I mean, yes, the emphasis is on wins, but if you're not consistent, if you're not running consistent, you're not going to put yourself in position to win. It's early to say emerging, but there's guys that you know are just going to be there. All right. Yeah, well, it's worth asking. I mean, there's always uh, early questions in the season that are hard to answer, but we like talking about them. All right, guys, uh, any any final things before we go to break? We'll come back, do winners and losers, and you know, finish up this Phoenix race week. No, I think we're good. All right, guys. Uh, so let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Break. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Good to have you along. Uh, we're talking NASCAR today. We're going to wrap up this Phoenix race week. Uh, pretty pretty basic week for Phoenix, I guess. It was uh, nothing too dramatic, but uh, I think enjoyable in the long run. Um, so we're going to do winners and losers, guys, and then we're going to get into the Atlanta race preview, of course. Uh, should be a fun one. Uh, but uh, if you guys are enjoying the show or want to get involved or stay in touch or whatever, um, go follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we're starting to bracket for March Madness, so you can find the link to that in our uh, social medias. Love to have you guys with uh, along with that. And then uh, get in touch with us, email us, let us know what you guys want to hear about, any questions, stuff like that. We'll do our best to give you some answers. Uh, electricsportstalk at gmail.com is the email. All right, guys. Um, should we do winners and losers from Phoenix? <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris. Let's start with you. Uh, your loser from Phoenix. Uh, let's start with losers first. We always start with winners. Let's do losers. Okay, we're going to start with losers. I would say Stuart Haas racing again. Now, I say again, that. Again, I feel like this is multiple weeks for us here. Yeah, well, yeah, Harvick finished sixth. <laughs> okay. But the next best uh, Stuart Haas car was 11th, mm-hmm. and then it just went into a train wreck from there on down. Yeah. So um, I, I would say that they are the, they are the losers in this one. Yeah. Uh, because they just can't seem to get it together. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm being optimistic for Atlanta. Uh-huh. Because, uh huh. Because Kevin Harvick has been very successful at Atlanta in the That's past. That's true. That's true. And even Eric Amarola has been successful there. So I'm, I'm hoping that Stuart Haas can get it sorted out and get it together. Now I realize he's got two young drivers that are going to be very inconsistent, but still, I would have to say that Stuart Haas Racing is the big loser out of this one. All right, uh, my loser from this race weekend, um, it's really hard to pick one here. Uh, but if when it comes right down to it, I guess since there wasn't very many picks here, I'd have to go with Kyle Larson, not not because he had a bad week or whatever, just because the penalties that he got uh, kind of killed his chances. I know we already talked about this. He still finished top 10 and had a good weekend overall, but his car seemed to be strong enough that it could have run up front and potentially won. So it, it's a harsh loser, but that's my loser. <laughs> Might be a conspiracy on NASCAR. Ooh, fault. okay. Can't uh, have him winning. <laughs> Amos, your loser. 
Oh, well, I'm with you, Ty. It's kind of hard to pick one out. I mean, I really don't know if I have a loser. I mean, I feel mm. like if we go back to the start of our podca- podcast with this season, I picked the Penske to have the best running organizations thus far. Yeah. I mean, three cars in the top 10, you can't ask for more than that. So, I don't, you know, usually I can find something to pick apart, but I'm, I don't know if I can really go with the loser this weekend. Wow, a very positive weekend yeah. for you then, huh? Sure, wow. yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. Uh, well, give us a winner then. Shower us with your positivity Shower over here. Shower us with positivity. Yes. Well, I'm, okay, so my winner is Penske. I mean, they've kind of, all their cars led laps this weekend. Um, they were able to, whether they hit the race setup and whether helped them with their decisions through the track, through the race, or they were able to get it together and make good race, just in race adjustments, you know, whatever they did between Vegas and this weekend and some of the previous weekends, you know, second, third, 10th, that's, that's pretty good. All right, cool. Uh, I'm going to go along the same lines as you, but I'm actually going to go JGR. Uh, I know that they had all their cars, either up towards the front at one point or leading, kind of except Kyle Busch, who struggled once again. Uh, But they also had three cars in the top ten, ninth for Bell, uh, third for Hamlin, and and first for Truex. But, yeah, I mean, I think that they had a really good weekend. Uh, And when it comes right down to it, your winners, in my opinion, have got to be one of the two. So (laughs) I'll take the other one you didn't mention. Chris, your winner. Well, I I can't disagree with either one of you on JGR and – Penske Racing, but I'm also going to throw Hendrick Motorsports in there. Oh, okay. I mean, they had three cars, you know, in the top ten. I mean, it's like our our definition of super teams is kind of holding out this year. Except for the Stuart Haas cars. <laughs> well, except for Stuart well, Haas. But, yeah. but, I mean, they had, you know, uh, Chase Elliott was fifth, Kyle Larson was seventh, William Byron was eighth, and, uh, you know, how, how can you – and. Really, Bowman had a good car. Yeah, he just got spun out. Yeah, so still finished thirteenth. Yeah, so, so yeah, I I'm gonna go with you know I'm gonna agree with you guys, but I'm also gonna put Hendrick into that mix. All right, so everyone except for Stuart Haas is a winner today. Yeah, pretty <laughs> um, much. All right, uh, before we leave Phoenix, Amos and Chris want to ask you guys a few questions about a couple drivers. Uh, Amos, let's start with you. Kyle Busch, twenty uh, fifth, didn't lead any laps once again struggled overall i feel like uh, on this track he he complained a lot about not feeling the car right uh and you know i mean once again it comes back to this whole is the practice thing really hurting him this much uh quick thoughts on kyle bush here yeah i mean he said as much all through the pandemic last year i'd bet if you ask him this year the no practice i'm sure really bothers him uh, i kind of think he's a person who's very much of habit he likes he's been in the cup series for however many years and it's been this way we show up to attract this is what we do we unload decent we fine-tune through practice so i feel like but i also feel like it's been long enough he's got to start figuring it out he's if we are going to have so many more first-time race winners or different winners that each weekend he's going to have to figure it out and get in there somehow. He's so, going to have to get one of them, right? Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, being from Vegas, growing up in the Southwest, you would think that Phoenix, obviously Vegas, places like that, he would have a slight advantage. So I don't 
really care either way if he figures it out. But I am surprised that they are still struggling this many races into what is kind of been the norm for mm-hmm. NASCAR's race weekends. Uh, Chris, I want to ask you about Tyler Reddick. Uh, he finishes 29th in this race. Uh, w- I mean, once again, he has a decent car, I think, but he's not really... I mean, with the exception of Homestead, he has not had a very good race in no, these first five. he really hasn't. And the funny part about this is I'm looking to see where Austin Dillon finished. Uh, top 15, 17th. Was he 17th? Yeah. So when you get right down to it, uh, neither of the children's cars are ex- exactly lighting the world on fire well, with their performance. Dylan's been a lot better than Reddick. Well, though. yeah, but you'd expect that because, I mean, Dylan's been at this game, you know, years longer than Reddick longer, has. Okay. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not willing to par- pull the parachute on him yet, but mm. um, I just. You know, when you get right down to it, those Chevrolets, of all the Chevrolets, I mean, Childress is kind of the team on the outside looking in. So, all right. Uh, so, Amos, I want I want to ask you about a driver that we've talked about a little bit has gotten a lot of attention. Uh, Bubba Wallace finishes 16th in this race. Now, this was one of his actual. This is one of his better finishes on the season. I feel like. Um, he actually led a couple laps too. Do you think that maybe this team is going to start figuring out some things as we enter maybe some bigger tracks? Oh, maybe. I mean, he's a decent super speedway racer, so he's probably looking forward to Talladega and a return trip to Daytona. I just feel like the first half of the season, these guys are going to struggle for data. They're going to struggle for race setups. They're going to yeah, they're probably an affiliate with Joe Gibbs Racing, but I don't think that's really going to – Joe Gibbs isn't going to give them all the good information and, and give them great setups. So mm-hmm. it's definitely going to be some learning curve. Um, I would say if they're going to hit their stride, it's going to be towards the end of the summer run when we start hitting tracks that we've been to. Mm, where they got some Where we're coming back okay. for a second race. That's when we can kind of say like, okay, yeah, he's the team's figuring it out. He's gonna he's gonna start producing higher results. You know, let's let's keep watching, keep seeing how it goes. But when we start hitting the double tracks, that's when we'll need to. Okay. That's when we can really stick it to him. Uh, all right, guys. Any final thoughts before we leave Phoenix? Uh, obviously, we covered a lot there. No, I think I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I'm good too. All right, Chris, season standings, updates, uh, however you want to do it. Okay, we're going to do it. We're going to go back to the old style, but I'm going to rely on Ty to note the winners so far <laughs> after I go through the standings yeah, of guys okay. that are in the chase. So uh-huh. I'm going to do 15. Gonna well, do I'm going to do 16. I'm going to ah, do 16. Just, yeah, go for all of them. Yeah, well, this is the chase, basically. Okay. As it stands right now, you have Ricky Stenhouse in 16th, Kyle Busch in 15th, Ryan Priest in 14th. Both the JT, Still holding on. The JTD, the Dortry. JTG cars are in the top 16. Both well, of them. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Blaney in 13th, which that's a great big move for him in the last couple of races. That's true. Um, Austin Dillon in 12th, Michael McDowell in 11th, Kurt Busch in 10th. William Byron in ninth, Christopher Bell in eighth, 
and he's been on a slide. Remember, he was up there in the top two or three. Well, and he's he's backsliding now. Um, Kevin Harvick has moved up to seventh. Um, Chase Elliott at sixth. Kyle Larson in fifth. Now that that is a big surprise, but I'm happy to see it. Martin Truex has moved into fourth. Joey Logano is running third. Brad Keselowski is second, and Denny Hamlin with a 39-point lead over second, is number one. Well, that's consistency right there. 39-point lead is almost an entire race. You know, we, we talked about uh, him finishing in all these top fives, but I really think they've been top threes. So, I mean, well, all of his top fives, I think, have been top threes. So. He, he's been, yeah, he's, he's had four top fives out of five races. Yeah. I mean, so he hasn't had good. a disaster yet. Well, uh, we'll have to keep watching that. I'm so gonna, I'm going to pick him to win Atlanta, which is going <laughs> to guarantee the disaster. That's what you said last week, but it didn't happen. I, I know. Uh, I was... So by the if we're taking leaders towards the top, Truex now sits at the top. If we're factoring in wins there, so. right? Very interesting. So right. go, go through your go through your race winners. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. race winner, William Byron race winner, uh, Christopher Bell race winner. Uh, let's see. Michael McDowell. Michael McDowell, race winner. I, we can't forget about Michael McDowell. What no, am I doing? How could you forget about <laughs> Michael McDowell? And Kyle Larson as race winner. So there's your five. Um, yeah, I mean, Michael McDowell's got to get your act together, man. You're you're dropping down. He was leading not too long ago. Two races in, he was in the lead. <laughs> um, okay, guys. Uh, so let's talk about Atlanta now. Uh, Atlanta is, well, actually, let's start with Chris the history of Atlanta. Uh, we want the we want the pre-story before we get too much into the modern day. Uh, Chris, you tell us that you've come up with a new system now, though. Well, I was just trying to pick things off of a, uh, a web page, and so what I did today is I actually printed it out and uh-huh. highlighted the things I wanted to talk ah, about. Ah, it's getting very official. I mean, we got the real historian in here now. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you what. So All this right. track was started, the thought process was started in 1958. So this one's been around a while, and as all investment investors and investments go, it struggled to get money to get the track done. Actually, they had a turnover in investors net, and it actually got $1.8 million pumped into it, and they completed the track in 1959. So $1.8 million in 1959. That's a that, lot of money that back then. That was a lot of money. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> some of the notable things about it is is they said construction had been completed, but when you got when when you actually got there, they didn't have any fan facilities to speak of at all, and the only toilets in the facility were a three-hole outhouse in the infield. Hey, good enough for we me. We are talking. <laughs> we are talking rough spent and tough. Spent 1.8 should have spent 1.9 and got a flushing toilet. Huh? Yeah. Boy, no kidding. Uh, so then. Let's see, in 1960, oh, so it was originally called Atlanta International Raceway, uh, and it was built in a natural bowl. Mm, so they okay. had limited grandstand space, but people could bring their blankets and sit on the earth banks, you know, to watch the race. Uh, and the original track was 1.52 miles, 522 miles. I won't take too much away from Amos because he's got that part. <laughs> okay. Um, first race was in July 31st of 1960. 19, so the, the first NASCAR sanctioned First NASCAR race? race. Or just the first race? First NASCAR race. Ah, okay. NASCAR Cup race. So it took them a couple of years to Bonus get points for those of you that can tell me who won that 1960 race. Oh, and that no, I wasn't ago? there. Uh, Could have been, though. Fireball Roberts. 
Oh, yeah. Sign me up. Where did you pull that from? I don't know. I just come up with a name. Good Let's heavens. See. I'm making sure that's not on our game. Okay, that one's not on our game. Okay, so through the 60s and 70s, it had a, it struggled a lot, uh, eventually entering a Chapter 10 bankruptcy. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> $1.8 million down the toilet. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, they they didn't have. The 1.9, the toilets were all the difference. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Walt Nix was the president at that point in time, general manager. And Mike Helton, who is a big big wig in NASCAR, actually uh, ran that track for a while. Oh, okay. Uh, there's some IndyCar stuff on there, which I won't go into. In October <laughs> of 1990, the event that would shape Atlanta's rising fortunes occurred with the facility was purchased by Bruton Smith and renamed Atlanta Motor Speedway. Mm. And he immediately built some grandstands and, I'm assuming, some restrooms. I hope so. <laughs> so, so he could have a seating capacity of 25,000. And in 94, they built a big luxury suite, condo-type thing. And then in 97, they moved, they changed the shape of the track. A couple of notable things. Um, where did I lose them? Anyway. Um, oh, I got him right here. He's losing <laughs> his papers now. Yeah. <laughs> this is too much. Papers. A couple notable things. In, in uh, 2004... Uh, the track became an impromptu shelter for uh, evacuees from Florida fleeing Hurricane Francis. Mm, okay. Okay. And then again, it had a notable thing happen to it in 2005. And I, I, I remember this, an F5 tornado. F5, that's as, about as high as you can get. Uh, <laughs> went through there and I guess pretty much wiped out uh a lot of the buildings and tracks and oh, grandstands wow. and stuff like that. So in in 06, they added another grandstand and the winner's grandstand and things like that. So And then uh, there's a straightaway that's called, or a set of grandstands that's called the Dell Earnhardt grandstands. Mm. So it has a long and storied past. I guess. Wow. I mean, all that money back in the day for no toilets. Boy, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Well, you know, they better you, have uh, state-of-the-art restrooms now. You man. guys laugh, but toilets are important to people. No, that's what I'm that's saying. That's why we're laughing. <laughs> they are important to people. <laughs> Who builds a, a mass facility with no toilets? <laughs> I imagine uh, if you get checking into NASCAR tracks through history, they probably all started out with the outhouse in the woods. Yeah. Okay. That's right. All right. So there is our resident old man. Thank you very much for the history lesson. You're welcome. Did you learn something, Amos? Yeah, outhouse, outhouse toilets at NASCAR speedways. Wow, that's... <laughs> How long have you waited in line at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway? I haven't because there's like multiple restrooms and there's like 40 <laughs> urinals in each one. So that's true. Like, I guess we've stepped up. I mean, the capacity at Las Vegas is 140,000. So if you only had... Three holes in the ground in the <laughs> infield, you were in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, uh, teach us something, please, Amos. Give us the track. <laughs> Give us the track layout. I don't layout. know if I can follow that up. Okay. So, Atlanta Motor Speedway is a very fast track. Choose up the tires very quick. Second you will, fast, right? You Second will, fastest. Yeah, I think so. You will not see when they come into the pits, it's four tires and fuel. Uh, the 1.5 mile quad oval has 24 degrees of banking in turns one, two, three, and four. Five degrees in the front and the back stretch. 
Uh, the fuel window, roughly 55 miles, but 50 to 55 laps. But I'm going to dare say that tires will dictate when you pit, not necessarily fuel. Um, okay. 71,000 seats are grandstand seating, and I'm looking at an article where it's saying that all grandstand tickets are sold out for NASCAR's race weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So, wow, uh, pretty exciting. They're going to be hopefully see quite a few more fans. Doesn't give a number. I don't know if they've straight up said 71,000, but um, Atlanta Motor Speedway is a fun track, multiple grooves. Been the highlight for a lot of close finishes, and it's got a pretty storied history in it in Atlanta Motor Speedway. To me, I kind of touch on some of what Chris was talking about. You get on Wikipedia, and I mean, most of the stats and track records are your old school guys: Dale Earnhardt, Kel Mm. Yarbrough, Richard Petty. So the track's been around for a while, and we've got all these great advancements in technology. And most of your Cup statistical series records are old school, so that's pretty cool. All right. Uh, sorry, what did you say the length of the track was again? 1.54 miles. Ah, very specific. All right, so uh, uh, would you consider this a very traditional NASCAR track? Yes, very much so. Okay. Deep, steep turns, 24 degrees of banking, um, the D-shape, plenty of room on pit road. You're going to run, what is it, 400 miles at this track, at this speedway. I mean... Yeah, very traditional, high speeds. The qualifying record set by Robbie Gordon in 97 at 186 miles an hour. So we're going to be fast on this track. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the quick way around this track is right up against the wall, too. So we're going to see pack races in this as well? No, I think it's going to spread out a little bit. I think you're going to see a lot of similar racing as Vegas. Okay. So um, restarts will be key. You're going to want to make hay on them first few laps. Tires go way fast. So if you're off on your setup, you're going to know. It's going to be, and as the fuel burns off through your pit speed, you're going to, you'll, or through your run, you're going to get loose. Tires are going to be gone. So, yeah, pit, making sure you have a good setup is going to be key. Chris, you got a bunch of papers in front of you. What what are you looking at there? Past winners. Oh, he's cheating now. He's cheating now. <laughs> no, I'm doing my homework. All right. Um, <laughs> see, he's getting a leg up in the game. I mean, you're gonna. Have well, to take he's those got all day away. to sit around and print stuff up. So <laughs> true. Uh, okay, uh, Chris, what are your expectations for this race? Uh, anything that Amos didn't mention that you can expect? No, and I kind of chipped in on him there, but I think you're going to see a lot of right against the wall racing. And I agree with him when he said on tires. I don't think you'll see anybody take more than, or less than four tires every pit stop. Every time. And they, take, the, they would take eight if they could, I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll go one step further. Nobody is going to stay out to lead a lap under yellow. Mm, okay. I, I, don't, I can't see that happen. Yeah. And I think as soon as pit road opens, you're going to see every car in the field hit the pit lane. All right. So where does this rank for you, Chris, on uh, popularity for you for tracks, uh, Atlanta? Recently, it's it's gotten higher on my popularity list, probably in my top 10 at least, maybe okay. top five. But 
And what they did is they shortened the race from a 500-mile race to a 400-mile race, and I don't even remember how many years ago that was. <laughs> okay. But but I'm telling you, 500 miles at Atlanta just absolutely drove you to drink. And they shortened it to a 400-mile race, and it became a lot more interesting to mm. me because drivers had to make <laughs> happen quicker. Okay. So, yeah, I would say it's – yeah, I'll go with top five. All right. Uh, what's the what's the biggest storyline to watch out for leading into this week's race, in your opinion, Chris, uh, around a driver or anything? Uh, I look for two drivers to make a, a huge statement in this race. Uh, I look for Ryan Blaney to make a huge statement in this race, and I also look to see Kevin Harvick make a huge statement in this race because he has done well at Atlanta in the past. All right. For me, it's got to be six races, six new winners, question mark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think there's a strong possibility that someone that hasn't won will win this race. Um, all right. With that being said, guys, let's talk about our picks. Uh, once again, the points, three for me, two for Chris, two for Amos. Uh, so you guys get to go first. But, Chris, since you won last week, this uh, now goes to Amos for the first pick. So, Amos, you get the first pick uh, in the picks here. Obviously, we got to pick race winner, and then we're going to pick something else, uh, which is a mystery even to me right now because I just remembered I need to pick something. So <laughs> <laughs> that's about how this whole program uh, goes, folks. Hey, it's it's a mystery. We're just flying. All right. Uh, so, Amos, your winner for Atlanta. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson. Okay. So uh, oh. tell us why here. Well, I think as Chris has alluded to earlier in the program. You, you can run up against the wall at, in Atlanta. You can be fast. Um, I feel like Kyle Larson is the person that can move around on the racetrack, find where he needs to be, take care of his equipment. Obviously, the penalties pre-race and through the race hurt Kyle Larson. He had a strong car last week. I think he's still brimming with confidence. So I think this is a track that's going to suit his style as long as the crew chief, Brings a good setup to start out for in the race. Okay, so the, a repeat winner for you then, huh? Yeah, I think so. Okay, Chris, you're next. Where are you going to go? You know, I'm going to pick Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch, okay, tell us why. I think he's due. He's done well at Atlanta before. I think he has three or four wins on Atlanta uh, in both Chevrolet and Toyota. Um, and I just think he's due. Okay. So Kyle Busch is your pick. All right. Uh, so my pick is going to be Ryan Blaney. A Ford hasn't lost this race since 2015. So Ford's dominating on this track. Uh, Blaney's due for a win. I think that he can get a win on this track too. He finished pretty good here last year. Um, and, you know, like Chris has said, he needs to start doing better in these next three races. And he has. Uh, both weeks in Vegas and Phoenix. So now I think he gets over the line, gets a win. Um, plus, you know, I think that Penske's been strong, that one of their cars needs to win in these next couple weeks at least. So playing the odds here, uh, I'm going to go with, with Ryan Blaney, which is funny because none of us picked Kevin Harvick, and we've sat here talking Kevin Harvick up the entire show for Atlanta. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, I mean, surprise, none of us picked Kevin Harvick there. No. No, I'm not surprised. No. I, I Look, I really wrestled with this one. Unfortunately, Amos narrowed it down to two for me. Well, actually, three. Because uh, I was thinking Kyle Larson uh -huh. uh, when he picked that one. That was off the table. So then I was wrestling between Harvick, Bush, 
and Blaney. And I just went with Kyle Busch because he's my driver. All right. Okay, that's fine. Um, so let's talk about who has the fastest lap on track, guys. Uh, obviously, this might be kind of random because not always the best car has the fastest lap on the track. Uh, so the single fastest lap on the track, Amos, you get to lead the picks here. Uh, where are you going to go? <laughs> I'll stay in the Hendrick Motorsports camp. I'm going to go with Chase Elliott has the fastest lap of the race. All right. I think that's a pretty good pick, actually. What about Dang. you? Are you reading my mind or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, you can you can say you want to be like. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. All right, so you get to go with Kyle Larson this time. Uh, I think we're all in the same mindset here. I'm going to take Alex Bowman. So we're, uh, we know that the Hendrick cars are super strong as far as engines go. So uh, I think we're all around the area there. Watch it be like. Michael McDowell or something. So. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're so far yeah. off. Eric Amarola. Or, yeah. All right, like guys. Uh, final thoughts on Atlanta, if any. Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, serious internal, team internal thinking this week because the next race is that dirt race at Bristol. and I. <laughs> What's going to go? Oh, can't wait to talk about that race. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that there's going to be a lot of, you know, internal stuff going on within the teams trying to come up with a, uh, you know, a, a formula going into Bristol because, I mean, that thing is such a wild card that if you're not in a good position, you know, in the standings coming out of Atlanta, you may see a couple of weeks before you can struggle your way back in the top 15, 16. So is this an important race for you too, Amos? Kind of an early season defining race for some guys, maybe? I would say yes, mostly for the fact you win, you're more than likely in the chase. I don't really, I'm not subscribing to your 26 different race winners, <laughs> Ty. So <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like if you win, you're in. I feel like this is a track where there are, there are a lot of guys who have good chances to win here. So I feel like everybody's going to be on their A game. I agree with Chris. The next week's race, Bristol Dirt Race, I'm very skeptical about this race weekend. I don't really know what NASCAR's <laughs> going with here. So I think that there's some guys that are probably looking at this as, like Chris said, let's get a race win, get in the chase, get Bristol out of the way because who knows what's going to happen there, <laughs> and then get into our grind, get into the summer, the summer uh, stretch and just start getting ready for the chase, get some wins, lead some laps. Yeah, well, there's uh, some big tracks coming up after this race, even yeah. after Bristol. I mean, you got Martinsville, Richmond, and Talladega. I feel like those are three pretty big races uh, this early in the season. Obviously, there's a lot of guys that haven't won that we keep saying are due for wins. So, right. Well, I uh, think your next, next six weeks could be pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree. There's going to be – but I think these, these next – six or seven race weekends are they're your traditional tracks martinsville richmond yeah talladega so i think darlington so i i then you're going to hit a majority of the road course races so i think people are going to want to or teams are looking at throw bristol out it's whatever but i think <laughs> the next few races these guys have they're dialing in focus because after 
we start getting into the road course races, it could be anybody's game at that point. Man, everything's going to go crazy once we get well, into those. <laughs> I want to throw this out there, too. The next five races, as far as I'm concerned, you've got two wild cards that you just throw out, which is Bristol and Talladega. Mm. Right, yeah. Because, Talladega. I mean, the reality is we saw Michael McDowell win Daytona, and the very same <laughs> thing could happen at Talladega. How funny would that be if our first – Repeat winner of the season is Michael McDowell at Talladega. Oh, my gosh. That's, that, yeah, that'd that's be wild. funny. I mean, then he's for <laughs> sure cemented his spot into the chase. All right, guys. Um, so we're good. We're good on Atlanta. Ready to move on to the big game? <laughs> uh, obviously not. Chris is over here cheating. So I, all right. I think it's going to be a rough. cheating to do your homework? It's going to be a rough game for me. All right, me. guys. Everything down. Everything away. We're going to get into the game now. Uh, so if you guys don't know how it works, you're listening for the first time, you'll catch on. Uh, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory once we start playing. Basic premise, though. I give these guys a year. They give me the race winner from that year uh, at the track that we're on this week. So this week's track is Atlanta, of course. And um, we're talking race winners from X year. So the score right now is 14 to 10 for Chris. Amos, you made some head. you made some headway. In last week, I mean, you got to be feeling confident. I was up until I seen Chris done his homework. So ah, yeah, yeah. Well, and we'll the, obviously, there's a lot of history in, in Atlanta. So I'm well a little on the shy side of years here. You got so. sixty plus years to work with here, so I don't know if he can remember all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So uh, Chris, who who won the yeah. race at Phoenix? Or uh, yeah, Phoenix last week. I who won that race? <laughs> <laughs> His short-term memory may be a little iffy, but I'm, I don't know. We might, he might pull something out in this long-term memory stuff. Yeah, maybe. Okay, Amos, you get to go first. Uh, let's start in 1987. 1987 is where we start. Uh, you want your first clue? Yes, or please. Do you, or do you think you know it? No, I don't know it. All Go right. Please. In 1987, I finished second in the season standings. So we're talking about a contender, a guy that's... Uh, Dell Earnhardt. Okay, we're around that, but no, not Dell Earnhardt. Not a bad guess. Next clue, Chris. Uh, I have three wins. I have three career wins on this racetrack in Atlanta. Finished second in 1987. I am going to go with uh, Daryl Waltrip. Daryl Waltrip. No, no. You guys are you guys are talking about you know. Big time names, so we're we're around this. All right, race winner in 1987, Amos uh, finished second in the season standings. Three career three career wins at Atlanta. Uh, I have 44 career wins. Ooh, Rusty Wallace. Ah, okay. So we're still talking big names. No. All right, back to you. Next clue, Chris. Next clue, Chris. I'm a Hall of Famer. Well, that don't narrow it down much. Um, what do you mean? That narrows it down. 87. He's in the Hall of Fame. Finished second in the points. Has three career wins at Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And he's in the Hall of Fame. Kel Yarbrough. Kel Yarbrough. I think we're too late for Yarbrough here in 87. Mm, I don't think so. Maybe a little. Uh, okay. Next clue. I think this will probably be the giveaway clue. Uh, multiple year most popular driver. Oh, Bill Elliott. Bill Elliott. There oh, you go. Geez. Yes. I mean, Hall of Famer. That didn't get you. That didn't get you, Chris. Uh, you would have had the next one. My son currently races 
oh, and is yeah, the defending probably. champion. So, <laughs> all right. So Bill Elliott in 1987 in the Melon Race, Mel- Melon, Melon Racing. Meller. Uh, no, it's M E. Melling. Oh yeah, it would be Melling. Melling. Melling Racing number nine Ford uh, yeah. won the race, finished Ford, second that year. Ford Thunderbird in the season standings. Oh really? Ford Thunderbird in '87, huh? Yeah. They All were. right, you're up one zero. Good job, Amos. Yes. All right, we're gonna go old school for the next one. This might play into Chris's advantage here. '87 <laughs> right. was an old school. Oh, we're going later than that, okay. or earlier than that. Sorry, uh, we're going to 1968. Oh my hell. 1968. <sighs> Race winner in 1968. Do you want a clue, Chris? Yes. All right. I have 14 career wins. Ned Jarrett. Ned Jarrett. No. All right. Uh, over to you. Uh, not a lot of clues on here, guys. So we're we're gonna we might struggle here. Once we get back a little further, it's harder to find information. Uh, all right. I was the first ever driver, Amos, to win the Triple Crown of Racing in 1969. Do we know what the Triple Crown of Racing was? Won the Daytona 500, the Southern 500, and the World 600. Buddy Baker? <laughs> Buddy Baker, no. Okay. I like it. That's not a bad guess. Okay, we're back to you, Chris. Do you want another clue, or do you think you're figuring this one out? Yeah, give me one more clue. All right. Uh, I'm one ra- more. He's very <laughs> confident. I'm racing uh, for Junior Johnson and Associates. I'm thinking back, Junior Johnson drivers. Uh, Kelly Yarbrough. Kelly Yarbrough. We're along these lines, guys. Okay. Uh, this is this is about the only other clue I can come up with. Uh, so he's racing for Junior Johnson. Uh, well, okay. There's a few other clues. Um, in a Ford number ninety-eight Ford. Is that ringing a bell for you, Amos? No. <laughs> Pass. Okay. Yes. Uh, this is the last clue. I am, I'm related to Kelly Yarbrough. That's the last clue I can think of. So if you don't get this one, Amos gets one more guess. Leroy Yarbrough. Leroy Yarbrough. Very good. 1968. Amos is looking at me like, who's Leroy Yarbrough? <laughs> Obviously cousins with Kelly Yarbrough. Uh, first ever triple crown driver in 1969. Uh, yeah. Leroy, Leroy Yarbrough. 1968 winner. Okay. We're tied at one. Uh, we're going to default to Amos though. And we're talking the winner in 2001. So this would have been like the first full year you were watching NASCAR, right? Or into it, I guess. All right. See, that gives you some confidence, huh? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Not so much. Winner in 2001, Amos. I finished sixth in the season standings this year. Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick. No. Is that a little early for talking Kevin Harvick that good? No? Okay. No. Uh, I only won two races this year, Chris. Finished six, won two races in 2001. I'm going to take a flyer here and say Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon, no. I had four career wins at this track, Amos, and this was the fourth of the four. Okay, repeat the... I didn't miss Chris's clue. I had one. I had two wins this season. Ricky Rudd. No. I'm racing for Joe Gibbs, Chris. Finished oh. sixth in the standings. Dale Jarrett. Dale Jarrett, No. What? All right. Well, Are you sure? I guess this is going to give it away. <laughs> this is pretty much going to give it away. Uh, my favorite car at the time. My personal favorite car at the time. Oh, 
Bobby Labani. Bobby Labani, yeah. Bobby Driving the Interstate Battery number 18 Pontiac for Joe Gibbs, one in 2001. My favorite driver growing up. Did you know that, Chris? I did not know that. I didn't know that either. <laughs> Bobby Babanti. Yeah. Bobby Labonte. Bobby it was Bobby Babanti. Bobby Babante. Bobby uh, Babante. I, I missed some vowels, but, you know, it's, it's all good. Oh, it's yeah, all. I remember that now. <laughs> Bobby Babante. Yeah. All right. Nice job, Amos. You're up two, two to one. Okay, we're going to go back a little old school again. Uh-oh. So, uh, Chris, this could play into your benefit. We're going 1979. Ooh. So, Amos, you were like two when this happened? All right, yeah. yeah. Maybe you were at this race, Chris. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, in 1979, I won this race in Atlanta. I did not finish in the top ten this year. Terrible clue. <laughs> <laughs> That don't eliminate it very much. Um, <laughs> That's a very broad clue. 1979. He didn't finish in the top ten. No. I got to take a pass. Okay, you're taking a pass. Okay, uh, Amos, I've won at this track in my career three times. This was the first. Daryl Waltrip? Daryl Waltrip, no. Okay, uh, 18 career wins. Uh, in my career, Chris. Didn't finish in the top 10. Won at this track in Atlanta three times. The first time coming in 1979. I'm going to reap. I'm uh, Kelly Yarbrough. No, okay. Woods Brothers Racing is who I'm oh. racing for. Okay, Chris. That kind of gave it away for Chris. Yeah, it did. Amos now is I'm still feeling like... the pressure. Okay, <laughs> he thinks he knows it now, Amos. So... Uh, third, I should know it because of Woods Brothers, but um, Junior Johnson. Junior Johnson, that wasn't a terrible guess. Okay, no. So you got it now, Chris? What do no, you think? give me a clue. Oh. Well, uh, I was in the 21. I mean, that's that's the last clue. So well, yeah. I was in the all-famous Woods Brothers 21, won this track three times, this one being the first, had 18 career wins, didn't finish in the top 10 this year. I mean, uh, also, this is this is the last clue. Sorry, guys. I'm drawing a total blank. Hmm. Do you want to take a guess? This is some obscure driver, I'm thinking. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I can't. No? no? Nothing. Nothing. All right, Amos, you get the last guess. That was the last clue, so... Ah, sorry, I don't have anything else for it. <laughs> Woods Brothers Racing, though. One in 1979. Ned Jarrett. Ned Jarrett. All right, close on the first name. It's Neil Bonnet. Oh, Ringing a bell? Yeah. No, not for Amos. Chris, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so it's going to stay, uh, let's see, two to one for Amos. You're gaining more ground. Okay, so we're starting with you first, Chris. Uh, this is the most recent one on the list. So 2010, winner in 2010. You want your first clue? Sure. All right, finished seventh in the standings this year. In 2010? Mm-hmm. Casey Kane. Casey Kane, no, no. You guys say Casey Kane a lot, but I don't feel like he won this many races. <laughs> um, all right, so winner in 2010, Amos. Finished seventh in the standings. I only won two races this year, though. Greg Biffle. Okay, not a bad guess, but no. Uh, back to you, Chris. I'm driving a Chevy. I'm driving a Chevy this year. So who was driving Chevys in 2010? 
Uh, two wins a season, finished seventh in the standings. So Greg Biffle would have been a forward, right? Yeah. Hmm. Jimmy Johnson? No. Okay. This wasn't a bad guess. Uh, all right. I got two career wins on this track, Amos. So this was the second. So I've won here before. I've won a few races. I've won a lot of races. That's my clue. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Second career win on this track. So multiple wins on this track. Two. Finished seventh in the standings. Finished seventh in the standings. Drives the Chevy. Yep. In 2010. Jeff Burton. Jeff Burton. No. All right. Chase Briscoe currently drives my number. Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart. You know, Chris, that took you a while. All right. Oh, Feel wow. good. It was Tony Stewart, race winner in 2010, racing He's for only got two wins Stewart in Atlanta. Hawks. Yep, only two. Wow. Surprising. Hmm? All right. Um, and that would have been one of his first years with Stuart Haas, right? 2010? Yeah, probably. Probably. All right, guys. Uh, finishes two to two. One of you couldn't get Neil Bonnet. That was the decider. So, but, Amos, you don't lose ground. Does that That's feel good? good. Okay, yes, good, very. good. Yeah, I was a little nervous. <laughs> Chris was doing his homework. All right, well, I obviously. I must not have done it, my homework very well. No, it didn't help very much. Uh, okay, so we're going to Bristol Dirt Track after Atlanta, guys. We'll be back with a preview of that and a recap of Atlanta. Uh, any final words before we get out of here? I mean, I know it was a slow news week off of the track, but uh, I feel like we covered a lot of stuff today. I think it's going to be a great race weekend, so... Okay. A lot of multi-groove track, a lot of not a lot of strategy, but I think it's going to be a real good race weekend. Slam the pedal and go fast. Yes. Turn left, baby. What's the weather forecast? Does anybody see Weather that? forecast. Uh, I assume it will be mild, right? Probably. For this time in Atlanta, it's probably mild. Um, let me pull it up real quick. Any other final thoughts, though, Chris? No. Shaquille O'Neal called out Bubba Wallace this, this week. Oh, <laughs> I don't know the details, but I just thought... Man alive. What does Shaq know about racing? The man has no shame. All right. uh, 63 degrees and sunny on Sunday. So it'll be nice weather. Uh, We also got the trucks and Xfinity this week. So it should be good. Good good weekend. Cool temps will make for a lot of horsepower. Yeah, good. Uh, 39 cars entered in this race. Austin Sendrick will be back on on the grid. So that might be oh, interesting. Jeez, if I'd have known that, I'd have picked him as my what? race winner. No, you wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, that's all I got. That's all we got here, too. Uh, it's been Electric Sports Talk. Watch out for more shows, guys. We got more coming out uh, this week. We're going to have multiple shows out on this day that you're listening to this, hopefully. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Have a good rest of your day. Peace out. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Electric Sports Talk. Join us in future episodes as we discuss all things U.S. soccer, collegiate sports, mixed martial arts, motorsports, the NFL, MLB, and the Olympics. If you enjoy our content, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, or shoot us an email to electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening.